Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is so good to see you all. Uh, if you are uh, a regular, you may not. You may have noticed. You may not that uh, I haven't been around for a little while over the summer. I uh, had a bit of an extended break, uh, which I'm very grateful for uh, the eldership team and the trustees allowing me to do that. Me and my family had some good restful times uh, off and we went away and had a really good time. So feeling kind of refreshed and re-energised, uh, ready for all that God has for us in uh, this next season. Uh, and if you're new, then uh, you started to come in the last few months, we probably haven't met. As Adam said, my name is Ian, I lead the eldership team here, uh, and I'm really glad you're here. I'd love for you to stick around at the end, uh, have some tea and coffee, we'd like to get to know you. Uh, but yeah, just very excited to launch our Ephesians series uh, today. But I just wanted to mention a couple of things that Adam has just talked about uh, with the discipleship tracks that are starting this week. Um, we take, as elders, really seriously um, the discipling and shepherding of the church. Uh, one day, as elders, we are going to have to stand before God and answer for how we have shepherded this church. Yeah. So we take this very, very seriously. And part of the discipleship tracks helps us as elders and you to be shepherded well. We want you to grow deeper roots, deeper foundations as Christians. One, our job is to help present you mature in Christ. Yeah. And actually with a membership course, it helps us to get to know you and you to get to know us. Do you as a believer want to be part of this community? I'm going to talk about it this morning because when we're saved as Christians, it's about more than just us. You're added into God's community. And if you want to join this community, doing the membership course would really help you. I believe that. It would help uh, us as elders and it would help you. So you know what we believe and we know what you believe. Yeah. We can help um, you thrive in all that God is calling you to and find out and discover what your giftings are. So if you haven't signed up, can I heartily encourage you to sign up for uh, either the discipleship, um, the foundations or the membership or you can have a pass from those if you're bringing people to Alpha. So this is our idea behind it. We feel like God has guided us and led us into these things that we're doing. Even the teaching series that we're doing on Sundays, it's all about what God is uh, speaking to us about discipling well. Yeah. So we're believing that lives will be changed this, this time around on Alpha. And if you've got people that you're talking to that don't know Jesus, then can I heartily encourage you to bring them to Alpha. So, with that plug done, I really feel God has spoken to us, as I said, about the diet of the church and the direction of it. And that's why we have looked at things this year, like the Origins series. Uh, if you weren't here, that was about looking, we started looking in Genesis and looking at who we were originally created to be, who God wants us to be, and where we're going when we looked at Revelation. And then we tried to equip ourselves by looking at the big questions like science, suffering, all of these sorts of things to help us uh, speak to others, but also if there are things we may be struggling with ourselves. So we're trying to equip the church and then as we move into this series, Ephesians, is to help us to understand who we are in Christ. Yeah, very good. Our standing in him as a new creation, as Adam has already said, we are adopted, forgiven, redeemed. Yeah. That's us. If you're in Christ, 
We have a new status as Christians. And Ephesians will help us understand what we do with that status. John Calvin has, he treasured the uh, book of Ephesians above all other epistles. That's letters written in the New Testament. Other commentators have waxed lyrical about this book for centuries. They've said things like, it's a golden chain of truth, a kaleidoscope of dazzling light, the most consummate compendium of the Christian faith. Wow. The crown of Paul's thinking. Ephesians tells us about who we are, we're God's people, how to live in God's world, who we were, who we now are. It says about being aliens and strangers, now we're fellow citizens. And today, I'm going to take a bit of an overview, an overview, really start by looking at, in the book of Acts, the context to which this letter was written to, the church that was birthed in Ephesus. And there's some powerful stories about that. So we're going to look at Acts, the, the context that this, church, this letter was written into. Then we're going to look at some of the stuff that happened in that. And then we're going to read all of chapter one in Ephesians. The Holy Spirit's gonna fall on us as we do that. We're gonna be filled, encouraged. We're gonna go out and speak to our friends and neighbors. There'll be revival starting in your uh, families, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. And then we'll go on from there. Does that, does that sound good? <laughs> Are you ready for that this morning? Yes? Good. Good. I haven't preached for a few months, so it's all coming out, okay? <laughs> Now, let's start. So I've given you a bit of a clue. This letter, uh, Ephesians, was written by who? Very good. You're a clever bunch, aren't you? And it was written to who? The church. Churches, plural, in Ephesus. Very good. Likely to have been a circular letter, not to one specific church, because Paul was in Ephesus in the beginning of uh, in part of chapter one, he talks about how he's heard of people's faith, so there's been some confusion about that, but it was likely to be um, a, a bit of a circular written and read to several churches. Now, what is amazing about this letter, when it was written by Paul, he had been imprisoned for two, around two years. And then a year later or so, he was executed. And he writes these amazing things. So he wrote this letter to the churches in Ephesus around uh, 62 AD, while imprisoned in Rome. We see that in Acts 28. And during that time, he also wrote Colossians on Philemon. All three letters were sent with uh, Tychicus and Onesimus. Looks like Onesimus, but it's Onesimus. I've had to write that down phonetically so I, I pronounce it correctly. So there, there is Paul in prison, under sort of house arrest, facing death, and he writes, as one theologian calls, truth that sings, doctrine set to music. Wow. That's pretty good, isn't it? So, um, let's, oh look, we're showing pictures already, we're running ahead of ourselves. This is, uh, you can see where Ephesus is. Um, oh look, there's there. That's there. Everyone see Ephesus. <clears throat> uh, it was an important city. It was the capital of the Roman province of Asia, home to the temple Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's now in modern-day Turkey. Uh, it was a huge place for idol worship. 
So there was a whole temple dedicated to Artemis or Diana. Diana was the goddess of fertility. And idol worship was big business. Um, she was Diana to the Romans and Artemis to the Ephesians and the Greeks. As I said, the temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the world. Antipater of Sidon, who was a, a, a poet, uh, wrote one of the earliest known lists of the seven wonders of the world. And he said, after seeing all of the other wonders and compared them to the temple Artemis, he said, those marvels lose their brilliancy. So after seeing them all, he said, if you want to see one, see the temple. That's, that's quite an endorsement, isn't it? Yeah. It was steeped in idol worship and superstitions. Archaeologists have dug up over the uh, years and found lots of spells and charms and uh, curses written on stones. It, and it was in this environment that people started to become Christians. And we're going to read uh, Paul's visit to Ephesus, and we read his second visit in Acts chapter 19. So, um, if you could turn in your Bible, the words are going to appear on the screen, but I am reliably informed uh, that if you actually read the text, rather than looking at a screen, your brain engages more and you remember more. I'm reliably informed by an education expert. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to put my glasses on for this as I read. I, you know, years ago I bought a Bible with bigger texts to help me read without glasses, and now I've got to state where I need glasses for the bigger text. <laughs> it is a sign of ageing, but that's okay. That's a sign of God's grace as well. So, um, <clears throat> Paul is visiting Ephesus, and uh, at the beginning of chapter 19, it says he's travelling through the interior, the inland country, comes to Ephesus and meets some disciples. And then he explains to them about the Holy Spirit and asks them, do they want to receive the Holy Spirit? He lays hands on them, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin speaking in tongues and prophesying. Sounds all right, doesn't it? Mm. Right, and we're going to go from verse 8. Now, it says this, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So, Paul explains and reasons for two years, and it says all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Amazing. That's amazing, isn't it? Yes. All the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Yeah. Paul faithfully preached and taught for two years, and the word spread. And this should be of great encouragement to yeah. us to keep persisting, keep speaking to our friends, trying to explain the gospel to our friends and neighbours, to keep going, keep running the race. This is what Paul did. He spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke to the Jews about this king who had, become, who had come from the line of David, who was born in the town of David. This was the expectation that a king was coming. 
the Jewish people was expecting a king to come to rule on the throne of David and he would never be dethroned. This is what Paul is declaring to the Jewish people, that this king has come and you can come into his kingdom. This is a message of repentance, a message of a kingdom that one day will rule over all of the earth and everyone will see it and everyone will be subject to it. Not a message that you can come to Jesus and everything will be okay. Or you can just say a prayer and you've got your ticket to heaven. It's about a king and a kingdom that's ever expanding. So we we need to know as well, we don't just say a prayer and we're safe. That's not how it works. We don't just come to church if we're not too busy or there's no sport on or we're too tired. No, we've been saved into a kingdom. And he wants you to be a part of that kingdom spreading far and wide. Like Paul was seeing here, you know in Colossians, if you read the letter of Colossians, uh, Paul mentions Epaphras right at the beginning. You learnt it from Epaphras. It's believed that Epaphras heard Paul speak in the hall of Tyrannus and went to Colossae and planted the church. This is what we need to know, that when we become Christians, it's not just about us. It's not just Jesus will make your life better, he'll give you a nice moral code, a nice group of friends. No, you've been invited into a kingdom and with a king that you can get to know. And he wants to invite you in to be a part of this incredible journey. A kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of peace. A kingdom where instead of sinfulness, you can stand before a holy God. Forgiven. Redeemed. You can have peace. You can enter into this kingdom and we proclaim that king whose reign will never, never end. There will be no passing on of his monarchy. He sits at the right hand of the Father and he's going to reign forever and ever. You can come into this. If you have never become a Christian, or you can never remember a time when you asked God for forgiveness and you thanked him for the death on the cross that paid for your sin. Your sin which separated you from a holy God. I was there. I was separated from God by my sin. And the king who lived the perfect life died on a cross, taking the punishment and wrath of God upon himself He has taken our place from what we all deserve so we can be pardoned and forgiven. Do you want to be pardoned and forgiven? And this king did it for you. He reigns over all of the earth, but he knows you personally. And he's calling you into a personal relationship with him. He did it for you. He died. But he rose again, rising victoriously, breaking the shackles of death forever. Rising victoriously, reigning over all things. And this is who we proclaim, the victor. The victor, the risen and alive king. And if you're not excited by this, if you maybe struggle with the worship bit, if you're not excited to tell others about Jesus, well then... That's okay, but that's not where he wants you to be. 
He wants you to be excited. He wants a quickening of your spirit. I remember, I read the book of Ephesians a lot when I first became a Christian, 18 or 19 years ago. And it was the Holy Spirit that came and filled me. And it was reading the word, the words coming alive, listening to Terry Virgo preach on Ephesians. I think he would often say, and I think it was the same for me, my, my Bible would almost fall open at Ephesians. Because it's such a helpful book. Charles Spurgeon said, um, if you really know Christ, you are one who has found honey and will call on others to taste of its sweetness. Like the beggar who has found the endless supply of food, you must go and tell the hungry crowd. You must tell them that you have found Jesus and they must know him too. And we get to rejoice in his majesty, his grace and mercy that Adam has already said lavishes upon us. He lavishes it, not just his spare change out of his pocket. No, he lavishes his grace upon you. So pray for a quickening in your spirit. Let's continue in Acts 19 from verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the uh, itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil priest answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognise, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them and mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and, uh, and, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Now, <clears throat> sometimes... Uh, I'll have a bad day and I'll come home from work and I'll, I'll try to just, you know, cover it up. But if I were to come home naked and bleeding, I think everyone would know it's been a bad day. <laughs> I don't know, hopefully you've never come home naked and bleeding from a day. But these guys have. They try to invoke the name of Jesus and it doesn't go well for them, does it? You don't need any explanation if you're naked and bleeding. That's been a bad day. It reminds me, actually, that we cannot just invoke the name of Jesus like some sort of hocus-pocus magic spell. If you were here last week, I, I, I shared um, during the worship, uh, it's about being in the person of Christ and being in him that matters. And only those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart can call upon his name. And we should be careful that we're not pulled around by false teaching of the kind of tele-evangelist American preachers that talk about prayer and personal prosperity as if we command God to do things. We don't get to command him. We don't get to command the weather to suit our personal needs. It's, or if we believe and have faith, things will go well. That's not what it's about. It's about being in Christ and lining up. Where prayer is lining up with his will. Okay, we're going to move on. Verse 18. Also, many of those who were now believers came 
confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burnt them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And this, as we find out later on, causes great upset in the city. It's estimated today that those 50,000 pieces of silver would have been around in today's money about five million pounds. Don't you long to see the nation turn from idols? Yeah, yeah. Well, we can think, well, you know, not everyone's carrying around little, you know, models of things. And I think we missed the uh, picture of Diana, but she's this weird model with lots of breasts and other things hanging down. That's what all of these guys were getting upset because they were making them and selling them. But actually, there are many false gods right now. Many. The idol of self, the idol of comfort, people trying to build their own little kingdoms. But church, we're praying not only for the kingdom to be proclaimed, but also demonstrated. The kingdom was powerfully demonstrated in Ephesus. Sick were healed. Evil spirits left people. And then great fear and awe fell upon people. And this Church is the atmosphere for revival. There was a right fear of God. Many people came to him and were saved and transformed. Do you notice that they rejected their false practices publicly? They did it in public. They didn't burn these things privately. They didn't hold on to things just in case, or I could sell them on eBay and make some money. No, they burnt them publicly. And this would have been an incredibly powerful moment. Some of the Alpha team will remember um, from years ago, we have seen people uh, saved on Alpha come to Christ and then they burnt their kind of magic occultic books. We didn't tell them to. We knew that's what they should do, but that's what they did. They said, I really want to get rid of this stuff. And we have that. People come to Christ and they're like, oh, there's stuff in my life I just know I need to get rid of. What in your life do you think? Yeah. It's still there, but I know I need to get rid of it. You may not need to burn it publicly, but there might be some things you just need to get rid of. But we long to see this powerful advance of the kingdom. So will you let yourself be stirred up? Not to settle, to believe God can do these things. It's not just for then, it's for now. God still does these things. Are you ready to be on an adventure, to go near and far? We believe that God has spoken to us as a church about being bigger than ourselves. And it's not just about creating a massive congregation, actually, it's about starting other congregations. We, we want to go back to the afternoon service. We want to start other congregations, maybe in the town somewhere, maybe in another town, maybe in other villages, maybe in other nations. God has not called you just to settle and, and warm a seat every Sunday. He's calling you into an adventure. Yeah, we believe that people will be brought in, built up, strengthened and sent out to plant churches across this nation and the nations. And maybe God wants to send people that are here this morning into other towns and other nations. Just let God stir up your heart for the adventure that he saved you for.
This was such a powerful reaction to this revival in Ephesus. It affected the local economy. There was a riot, and the local craftsmen were, caught, were losing business. And uh, these are the men, Paul and his companion, companions, who were accused of turning the world upside down in Thessalonica. And this riot, it says further down in chapter 19, was brought into the local amphitheatre that was full, and it, 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 they reckon it's about 25,000, held 25,000 people. And they were shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, for two hours. It's quite funny, really, because it says some of them didn't even know why they were there. This kind of mob mentality. You wonder if, like, the riots on Capitol Hill in Washington, there's the kind of people who are like, oh, I don't, I don't really know why I'm here, but we're all going in this direction. Donald Trump said some things, we're going to go there. Um, I remember longer than that, few, many more years back, um, there were riots in London. I'm sure you remember that. And uh, we were watching the riots on TV, and uh, my wife and I were taking our son to um, Lewisham Hospital, and there's this big long road in front of it. We were like, oh, we're taking our baby there tomorrow. <laughs> but people just got caught up in stuff and didn't know what they were doing. They were furious with what was happening to, to their income because the church was rising up. Yeah. The gospel was spreading. God was moving powerfully. These are the ingredients of revival. But we need to hunger for this. To see our town turned upside down. To see many, many come to Jesus. Do you really, do you really want many to come? Do you really want fierce opposition? Do you really want to stretch to the afternoon service? Because right now we don't even have enough people to serve in the kids' work. Do you really want to stretch into another t meeting in town or in another neighbourhood, in another town? Do we really want to do that? Uh, but as we look into Ephesians, we need to come to Jesus and understand who we are and then respond. Yeah. Respond to Christ's love by trusting him and his purposes then become our mission. Christ is to become central to everything, and his power must be central in us. And as we read this book, I urge you to begin placing all of your priorities under his control. And let us come alive when we read these amazing words. Let our hearts burn for more of God and more of his kingdom expansion. Let us come alive when we read this letter that Paul wrote to this impressive city, to this impressive church. This church which started with such passion and enthusiasm. It may have dampened down and it's further and it's been reminded of the great things that are available to the believer. I'm going to read this first chapter and believe that as we read it together, the Holy Spirit will fall upon us. And as we do that, we will be reignited in passion and, and fervour for the king and his kingdom. And then when we've done that, I'm just going to finish by looking at the first two verses. So, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. So Lord, I pray as we read this, 
Would you come by your power? Holy Spirit, rest upon us and ignite our hearts aflame for you, O God, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. wow. That's quite good, isn't it? That's really good, isn't it? Can I encourage you to be reading this book? I have been reading it over and over again in my time off over the summer. And to summarise this whole book, to give us a flavour of what is to come, these first two verses, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer Paul is knowing who he is. He's an apostle. He is a sent one. He is one who has met the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. Despite being a hater and persecutor, 
of Christ followers who, who stood over and watched people murder one of the early church leaders. Knew, he knew he was forgiven, redeemed, and a member of a new family. A kingdom that was calling him to be a part of by the will of God. To the, to the faithful followers of Christ. What an excellent reputation that is. To the faithful followers of Christ. Those who have persevered. Those who are running the race. What would it take for other people to call us or characterise us as faithful followers of Jesus? Hold fast to the faith. Obey God. Put Jesus at the centre of everything. In every detail of your life. I actually felt God speak to me last week. Um, it kept highlighting the verse in James chapter 4. And it says this. Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I just thought God was highlighting that to me and speaking to me for the church. And I wonder, maybe there's some of us here who are not sure what to do next in life. We might be at a fork in the road. Plans you're making yours, or are you submitting your way to God? Would you be willing to drop everything if He called you to do something different or radical? We can plan ahead, making plans are good, but we must hold on to them loosely. If we put God's desires at the centre of our planning, He will never disappoint. And finally, we should know. And receive from Jesus, the one who we are standing in, grace and peace to you. Hope Church, grace and peace to you. That's what we're going to look at over the next week. You have received grace. You didn't deserve it. But you have received grace because of Jesus. It has given God great pleasure he is happy to pour his grace upon you and his mercy upon you. Maybe you need to accept that freshly this morning. Receive the sonship that we all stand in. We have been adopted as children of the Most High. You cannot lose this because the price has been paid for your sin on the cross. We are a new society we are a family of believers. This is not a service you come to to be served. You're part of a family, a family on mission. God's rich mercy in Christ has saved sinners. This free gift is by grace through faith alone. Christ's earthly work of redemption was part of his cosmic reconciliation in this age and the next. So you can come and receive his grace today and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding can dwell in your hearts and in your mind. 
Receive his grace. Come to Jesus now. Church, why don't we respond to this today by standing and praying together as we close this morning to be filled again with a fire for his kingdom purposes, to be a part of the global church that is moving forward in power, in proclamation and in power. Maybe you need to pray about the fork in the road that you're in. Maybe you need to come to him again and say, Lord, reignite that passion in me. Help me find my first love again. So, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come as a gathered body, as you as the head, Jesus, come and meet with us afresh, your people. Come and fill us afresh, Holy Spirit. Reignite in us a passion and a fervour for your name. Lord, we, we long to see things that like were happening in Ephesus, where people were being saved, sickness was fleeing, demons were leaving. Lord, we pray, come, let many turn from you. We pray that we'll see idol worship being turned from. Lord, public, powerful public demonstrations of people turning to Jesus. Lord, we we thank you that we're not just saved for ourselves. We don't just have a ticket to heaven, but you're calling us into being part of your plan, part of your mission. Oh God, will you uh, stir up a passion for mission in our hearts today? I pray for this Alpha course, Lord, this week. Lord, will you surprise us by people turning up, people signing up, people being saved and added into the kingdom of God. Oh God, we pray for Reuben and Gabriella as they leave Alpha this term. Will you come and fill them? Will you anoint them to just say the right words, Lord, to know when to speak and know when to be quiet? Lord, Holy Spirit, will you be powerfully in that Alpha course, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, help us. Come and speak to us, Lord. Show us where you want us to go Lord we we believe that you're going to pour many people in and we need your Holy Spirit guidance as we look to see many people added Lord I pray for my friends here this morning will you rest upon them in their workplaces, in their homes as they, whatever they're doing this week, be upon them freshly I pray come Spirit of the living God fall afresh on them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.